Good evening, uh, to all of you. This is the first time I come to the new building of BGF uh, <clears throat> in the old Section 19. I was there several years ago. Tonight, the topic of the talk uh, is how to get a good rebirth. Most of us, uh, we strive very hard to have a good life. Uh, yeah. There are many things that we want. We want money, we want property, etc., family, etc. But many people at the end of their life, huh, when life is uh, ending, huh, they suddenly start to think, what is all, what is life all about? Yeah. Many people like that. But they should have asked the question many years ago when they were, when they had the time to do something. If you ask some people, what do you want with life? Or what do you hope to get in life? Many of them will say they want to be richer, want to be a millionaire, a billionaire. And some, some people, they want to achieve other goals. But even if you became <coughs> very rich, at the end of it all, then you realize you don't really understand what is life about. In the Christian Bible, there is a famous verse. It says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but suffers the loss of his own soul? Yeah. You can gain the whole world, but at the end of life, you will realize that you're going to suffer. So a lot of people engage in what is called the Un-Aryan Quest. In life, <coughs> this is in the Arya Parisana Sutta of the Majjhimanikaya. But the Buddha says uh, the quest in life uh, should be more than that. So, in life, uh, if we think carefully, uh, that we are going to pass away in, say, 75 years. Then, after that, a long eternity of time awaits us in the future. So, in, to invest your energy only in this life is very short-sighted. If you are long-sighted, you look further beyond the 75 years. And at the end of life, uh, the most pressing question uh, that confronts us uh, is where you are going for rebirth. And for a lot of people, uh, that is a very frightening question. Because uh, two or three days before you pass away, another world will appear in your consciousness. And you will see another world. And according to the Buddha, 
most people uh, will go for rebirth <coughs> in the woeful plains, uh, in the three woeful plains. Uh. So they get very frightened. Uh. Have you seen people uh, on their deathbed, uh, very happy? Mm. Once in a blue moon, uh, very seldom. Yeah. Mm. So, if you take rebirth in hell, uh, the worst destination, uh, firstly, I must say, Probably most of you know uh, that there are five destinations of rebirth. Later books uh, like the Mahayana and the Abhidhamma, they talk about six destinations of rebirth. But in the suttas, it is consistently said uh, that there are five destinations of rebirth. Two happy destinations, which is the human plane and the heavenly plane. And the three woeful destinations are the ghost realm, the animal realm and the hell realm. And we know uh, that the worst is the hell realm. Uh, you suffer for so long, uh, it seems like an eternity. Uh. So the Buddha said, uh, if a person were to gamble for the first time, uh, for example, he goes to Gunting Highland, and then gambling for the first time, uh, he loses all his wealth. And not only that, he loses all his property. And not only that, he loses his wife and children. And not only that, he himself goes into slavery. He has to become somebody else's slave. Now, isn't that a fool? Yeah? Hmm. But the Buddha said, now, worse than that, now, is to take rebirth in hell. If at the end of life uh, you go to hell, uh, the Buddha said uh, that is the perfect fool. You are given a chance in life to determine your future, to determine where you are going on for rebirth. But you wasted that chance. Yeah. Not only you wasted the chance to go to heaven, you went to the worst place, hell. So the Buddha calls that the perfect fool. But if you take rebirth in heaven, the Buddha said, you are the wisest person. A wise person will take rebirth in heaven. This is what the Buddha said. But nowadays, there are some people say they don't want to go for rebirth in heaven. Better to take rebirth as a human being. And there's sour grapes. Uh. I think so easy to be born in heaven. Not so easy. So, what determines your rebirth? A lot of things uh, we don't know. We have to know. And all this uh, is in the suttas. About 10,000 suttas, discourses of the Buddha. You find in the 45 years that the Buddha, uh, the Buddha's ministry, yeah, that the Buddha went around <coughs> teaching, yeah, 
the main thing, uh, or the only thing that he taught uh, was the Dhamma. You don't find the Buddha going to some place uh, and teaching meditation to lay people. Yeah? No. Buddha only taught the Dhamma. And then if you want to progress further, <clears throat> after finding out the basic things in the Dhamma, then if you want to meditate, you can. But for lay people, meditation uh, is very difficult. And the goal of meditation uh, is almost impossible for lay people. So that's why the Buddha <coughs> always taught the Dhamma. But the Dhamma is extremely important because just by listening to the Dhamma, thousands and thousands of people uh, attain stream entry. There's one time, 120,000 people, never seen the Buddha, never heard the Buddha. They came to the Buddha for the first time. The Buddha taught the Dhamma. At the end of it, the Buddha said 120,000 people <coughs> attain stream entry. Another time, 80,000 people came to listen to the Buddha. All also attain stream entry. And the Buddha says, once you attain stream entry, uh, which is the first path, within the same lifetime, uh, you will become a Sotapanna, first fruit, Arya. Mm -hmm. So, the Dhamma is very important uh, for us to know a lot of truths, a lot of things about reality, about the world. <clears throat> Make us a wise person. Mm. Now, in the Dhamma, and the Vinaya. <coughs> Sorry, yeah, my voice not so good. I've been sick the last few days. Mm. On the night of enlightenment, uh, the Buddha meditated until he attained the four jhanas. After he attained the four jhanas, psychic power came to him. So the first watch of the night, which was from six to 10 p.m., the Buddha contemplated the past lives, his past lives. Hundreds and thousands and hundreds and thousands of past lives. Then he realized who he was in the past. And he also realized that he met one Samasambuddha in his past life, the Buddha Kasapa, the previous Samasambuddha. But later books talk about 24 Buddhas, 48 Buddhas, 80,000 Buddhas in the Mahayana, etc. Hmm. So the Buddha actually only met one Samasambuddha. And the Buddha said, ah, he looked into the past for so long, ah, he only saw six Buddhas ah, willing to teach the Dhamma. Six Buddhas willing to teach the Dhamma. And then also over a span of 91 world cycles. So 91 world cycles, uh, only six Buddhas are willing to teach. But actually there are thousands of Buddhas. And these are Pacheka Buddhas who refuse to teach. Uh. So it's very rare to, to meet the true Dhamma. You have a lot of Dhammas around, but a lot of false Dhamma. Hmm. <coughs> 
So on the night of enlightenment, the first watch, the Buddha contemplated the past lives. The second watch, uh, which is from 10 p.m. until 2 a.m., the Buddha used his psychic eye, uh, or divine eye, uh, to contemplate living beings, how they live their life, and then they pass away, where they took rebirth, what they did, and after that, where they took rebirth again. Uh, and then the Buddha understood uh, that our rebirth uh, goes according to our karma, our actions, uh, our actions of body, speech, and mind. So the Buddha found uh, that if a person did wholesome actions or good actions uh, which benefit other beings, uh, then he takes a good rebirth. If he does unwholesome actions uh, which harm other living beings, uh, evil actions, uh, then he goes into the woeful planes of rebirth, the three woeful planes. Uh. So here it is very clear uh, that karma, the actions we do through the body, speech and mind are extremely important. So we have to contemplate every day uh, our actions our body actions, our verbal actions, and our thoughts. And for this, you have to use the four objects of sati, four objects of recollection, yeah? which is the seventh factor of the Aryan Eightfold Path. And you also have to use the Sixth factor of the Aryan Eightfold Path, which is right effort. I'll talk more about that later. So, it's very important that we don't do evil karma that harms others. So what is that evil karma that harms others? The Buddha said there are ten types of evil karma that can harm others. Three is to our body actions. Four is through our speech, and three is through our mental actions. The three through our body actions is to kill, purposely kill, to take what is not given to you, in other words, to steal, and thirdly, to engage in sexual misconduct. You already have a husband and a wife. If you engage in sex with some other persons, uh, that is sexual misconduct. Uh, mm. So, this is the body evil karma. Then the speech evil karma is to lie or cheat people. Firstly, secondly, is to carry tales. You hear A talking about B, you go and tell B. Last night A said this and that about you. And you cause them to quarrel. Yeah. Mm. Because disharmony this is called divisive speech. The third type of verbal misconduct, uh, uh, evil action, uh, is coarse speech, uh, vulgar speech, uh, mm, saying bad words, abusive words. Mm. That's the third. Uh. The fourth uh, is idle gossip, chakabanya. Uh, Wasting time. Mm. Time is very precious. Our life huh, is not long. 
75 years and every day most of you have to work so the free time that you have uh, is very little so if you engage in idle talk uh, you are wasting your life uh, and wasting other people's life mm. so that is speech uh, the four evil karmas uh, to lie or cheat people to carry tales and cause disharmony to engage in cause of vulgar speech, abusive speech, and the fourth is idle gossip. Then the third uh, is mental actions. The first unwholesome mental action uh, is covetousness. Covetousness means uh, wanting other people's things, wanting other people's husband or wife, Wanting other people's uh, business, uh, wealth, etc. Mm-hmm. If you are covetousness, then that will lead you to do evil karma. Mm-hmm. So, but that itself uh, is evil karma, uh, covetousness. The second one is ill will or anger. Uh. There are some people very prone to anger. Mm-hmm. He presses his button and he explodes. Yeah. Mm. So it becomes a habit. No? This one sutta that the Buddha said, no? whatever a person constantly thinks and ponders upon, no? that becomes uh, his habitual pattern. No? If a person constantly gets angry, no? then he's more prone to anger. No? If a person always thinks of sensual thoughts and watches pornography, etc., he's always thinking of lustful thoughts uh, that might bring him to an animal rebirth. Uh. Mm-hmm. So, this uh, covetousness is one of those. Uh. Mm-hmm. The third one uh, is wrong view. Wrong view is not believing in karma vipaka. If a person does not believe in karma vipaka, then he is not afraid to do anything. Yeah? You don't believe that you have to pay for your actions, eh? and you just do what you like. You know? mm. Another component of this uh, wrong view eh? is not believing that there is rebirth, eh? that after you die, there's rebirth. There's some people like that, and they think after we die, nothing. End of the show. Mm. But the, the show will continue for a long time. Mm. The third component of uh, wrong view uh, is not believing that uh, there are holy men, uh, people who walk the Arin path and become holy. Mm. So this is the three unwholesome thoughts, uh, unwholesome mental actions. Uh, mm. So these ten evil karmas uh, are very important uh, that you avoid. Mm. Now, so you can also say uh, that the good karma is the opposite or the converse of these ten. uh, Not to kill, not to steal, not to engage in sexual misconduct, not to lie, etc. But there is a sutta where the Buddha said, uh, there are three ways to get blessings, punya. Three ways to get blessings. Blessings is also 
wholesome karma. And these three things are very important. It's uh, not only not killing, not stealing, etc. But more than that, more positive than that, these three things, the, this formula is dana, sila, bhavana. Dana is charity. Charity means having a kind heart. In Hokkien we say, ului chutlui, ulat chutlat, yeah? Do what you can. Helping others in what little way you can. Don't think uh, if a person, for example, does a little charity, uh, then his merit is very little. If he's a poor person, uh, if he does a bit of charity, uh, his blessings or merit uh, may be more than a rich person who gives a thousand ringgit. Yeah? Because for a rich person to give a thousand ringgit, uh, sub sub soy, uh, very easy. Uh, yeah? But for a poor person <coughs> to give five ringgit uh, is difficult. Mm, so the blessings may be more. So, dana is charity, helping others wherever you can. This is the easiest to do, so the blessings is not so great. The second step is sila. Sila is keeping precepts so that we don't harm others. You can also call it moral conduct. And what sila is expected of you as laypersons? Some people say five precepts. Some people say eight precepts. Actually, it is seven precepts. In the Aryan Eightfold Path, generally people consider three factors to be the sila component. And that is right speech right action and right livelihood. And if you investigate these three factors, uh, it consists of seven precepts. La. Right speech is four precepts, just now we mentioned, uh, not to lie, not to carry tales, not to engage in coarse speech, not to engage in idle gossip. And then right action uh, is not to kill, not to take what is not given or not to steal, and not to engage in sexual misconduct. Mm. And right livelihood, uh, if you keep the right speech and right action, uh, then there's no more precept under right livelihood. Uh, it is covered by right speech and right action. Mm. So these seven precepts uh, is the sila component. It's also called the Aryan sila. Mm. Aryan sila is not perfect sila, no? because in the suttas no, it is said no, that even an Arya can um, break the minor precepts. Mm-hmm. Only thing is an Arya is a very straightforward person. He will not hide, no? he will not hide any wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. So these are the seven precepts under no, sila. So sila is harder to do harder to uphold, uh, so it has it uh, greater blessings uh, than dana. The third is bhavana. Bhavana is development. Development. What? Development of what? Two things. Uh, development of the mind and development of your character. 
development of your character uh, means changing your character uh, from a bad person to a good person. The Buddha said, uh, if you want to go to heaven, uh, you have to change your character until you have the character of a Deva or a Devi. Then only uh, are you qualified to go to heaven. It's not by praying, not by making vows, not for crying, etc. So, changing your character means getting rid of your unwholesome states and developing wholesome states. This is very hard to do. But if you can do that, the merit is very great. For example, Angulimala used to be a murderer, a bandit who killed hundreds of people. After the Buddha went to him and taught him the Dhamma, he probably attained stream entry and then became a monk under the Buddha. Then after that, he knew that his karma was very heavy. He struggled very hard and became an arahan. So he did not have to pay for that bad karma. So bhavana, changing your characters is very meritorious. And change, uh, development of your mind means getting rid of the five hindrances. The Buddha said uh, the five hindrances, five hindrances uh, are five things uh, that uh, if they are very strong uh, and they are constantly present, uh, they become an obstruction to you. Uh, and the Buddha said they are makers of blindness, uh, preventing you from getting right view uh, and preventing you from seeing things as they really are. So the only way to get rid of these five hindrances uh, is meditation, the Buddha's way, because in the suttas, whenever Ananda was asked <coughs> what type of meditation is praised by the Buddha, and whenever Ananda said the first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana. So for lay persons, it's almost impossible for lay persons to attain the jhanas. So that's why the Buddha did not go around teaching meditation to lay persons. But the Dhamma, laypersons can understand. And that is considered more important. Meditation is for those who want to attain the higher stages after Sotapanna. If they want to attain the second fruit or the third fruit or the fourth fruit, then they need to meditate and attain the jhanas. Now this dana and sila is uh, worldly blessings, uh, you can say. Whereas bhavana is spiritual blessing. So in the suttas, the Buddha said nah, that most beings, uh, after they we pass away, uh, will be reborn into the woeful plains uh, of rebirth. The three woeful planes of rebirth. So, if you want to come back as a human being, the Buddha said, dana and sila is a must. You must be charitable and be of moral conduct. So the Buddha said, if dana and sila, a person upholds dana and sila to a slight extent, slightly generous, 
and keeps his sila a little. And the Buddha said, nah, he will be reborn as a human being with little blessings. La. Not much luck la, in life. Mm-hmm. Example, born to a poor family, cari makan susah. But if you uphold dana and sila to a middle degree, la, then the Buddha said, nah, you will be reborn as a human being with great blessings. La. Say like, born to a rich family, easy to cari makan, finding a livelihood is easy, etc. Mm. And then dana and sila, if you do it on a superior level, uh, for example, like Bill Gates, and nowadays, who is nowadays very popular, Chao Yun Fat, eh? Uh, uh, then you are likely to go to heaven, the Buddha said. Mm-hmm. Heaven also, only the sensual desire heavens. La. Above us, uh, in, the, in the sensual desire realm, there are six heavens above us. So with this dana and sila, you can re- be reborn in those six heavens. Uh, but you cannot go above that. La. If you want to go above to the jhana heavens, huh? you need to cultivate jhana. No? Uh. So now the important question, no? what is it no, that determines the karma we perform? There are certain, certain people, no, they are prone to do unwholesome karma. But there are some people no, who their character is such no, that they are prone to do good karma. Why is that? Mm. It is our mind, our mind that determines. If you have a wholesome mind, eh, you will do wholesome actions. Yeah. If an unwholesome mind, you will do evil actions. No? For example, if you are full of greed and full of anger, then you get into fights, uh, and you want to steal people's things, etc. But if you don't have greed and anger, eh, then be, you'll be a more gentle person. Uh, in the Dhammapada, verses 1 and 2, uh, the Buddha said, Mind is the forerunner of all states. Yeah, Mind is the forerunner of all states. If one acts with a pure mind, uh, happiness follows one. Like what? Like the hoof of the ox or something. Huh? And if one acts with an impure mind, suffering follows one. So it is our mind uh, that is very important. That's why in Buddhism, uh, mind is so important. So unwholesome mind states uh, spring from three roots. uh. These three roots, uh, what we call greed, hatred and delusion. These are unwholesome states of mind. Greed, you understand. Hatred or anger, you understand. Delusion. Anybody can tell me the difference between delusion and ignorance? Most of us, we don't think very hard about this. A few weeks ago, somebody asked me the, asked me the difference. Then I have to put on my thinking cap. Really thing. Uh. Anybody can tell me? What's the difference? 
Now in the suttas, uh, the Buddha defined ignorance uh, as not knowing or not understanding the four Aryan truths. You don't understand the four Aryan truths, uh, the four noble truths, uh, then uh, you will live your life in an unskillful way. Uh. But delusion uh, is an unwholesome state of mind, uh, a mind that is so blurred uh, that uh, you cannot see things as they really are. Even if the Buddha was in front of you and taught you the Dhamma, you can understand. Because your five hindrances are so strong, uh, makes you blind, cannot see things as they really are. Mm. So delusion is very hard to get rid of, because it's a state of mind. And for that, uh, you need a gradual training, uh, listening to the Dhamma, and if you can't, can't, can't understand, then you have to meditate. Uh. Meditate to focus your mind. Most of us, uh, our mind is very unfocused. Because our mind is not focused, uh, it's like a camera. You take a photo with a unfocused camera, everything becomes blurred. Yeah? Yeah. So in the same way, uh, when we, our mind is deluded, uh, everything is blur, blur. Uh. So from these three roots, uh, greed, hatred and delusion, uh, you get other unwholesome states, uh, like what? Selfishness, sloth and topper, restlessness and remorse, shamelessness, arrogance, deceitful, unmindful, cruel, etc. So we need to change our character and cultivate wholesome states. What are wholesome states? Generosity, loving kindness, mindful and aware, you are diligent, a calm mind or a tranquil mind, a humble character, compassionate person, all these are wholesome states. So, our mind states uh, determine our character. Yeah? Mm. And then your character uh, determines your soul. You find uh, most monks and nuns, uh, Buddhist monks and nuns, uh, they say there is no soul. I also used to say there is no soul. But nowadays, uh, I believe there is a soul. The, the reason why I thought there was no soul, uh, like many people, uh, because I used to think uh, that soul means something that is permanent, everlasting. This is the Christian concept. This is the Muslim concept. It is not the Buddhist concept. When I checked the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, I found that it says, soul is a spiritual part of man, often assumed to be permanent. It's only assumed by some people to be permanent. It's not necessarily permanent. Mm. So in the soul in Chinese, we say lingun. Lingun, yeah? Mm. And in Hinduism, uh, they talk about it. 
Hinduism says, uh, for example, we have three bodies, the flesh body or physical body, then the spiritual body, which they call the astral body, then the superconsciousness, our mind. So why do they talk about the astral body? Because some of these holy men, uh, they have developed psychic powers and they could see. Uh. So there is no conflict uh, with the suttas. But there is conflict with Abhidhamma. Mm. Abhidhamma does not believe that there is soul. Abhidhamma does not believe uh, that when a person dies, uh, something leaves the body. For example, rebirth into the womb. They say, uh, some of them say, consciousness enters the womb and takes rebirth there. But in the suttas, you cannot have consciousness entering the womb. Why? Because consciousness cannot exist by itself. Consciousness means uh, consciousness of the six senses, seeing consciousness, hearing consciousness, uh, smelling consciousness, tasting consciousness, touch consciousness, and thinking consciousness. So consciousness must reside in the six organs, must come from the eye, the ear, nose, tongue, body, and mind. So without the six organs, uh, the six, uh, six sense uh, basis, uh, how can you have consciousness? Consciousness cannot exist by itself. The Buddha said uh, in the suttas, if you have consciousness, uh, it must come together with the five aggregates, which is principally body and mind. So in the suttas, it is said, uh, then for a person, for, for rebirth in the womb, la, there must be three conditions. One is the being to be born in the womb is waiting. This is called the Gandhaba in the suttas. In later books, they call the intermediate body. I think in Chinese they call it Chong Yin Sen, intermediate body. Mm -hmm. So this being uh, to be reborn in the womb, uh, after it passes away, is waiting to go into the rebirth. And some people who remember their past lives, uh, they said after they passed away, they had a body which was a few inches high. And they're walking around, didn't know where to go. So this being uh, must be present. Second condition uh, is mother and father must come together. Third condition uh, is mother must be in season, is fertile. Then the being uh, lodges itself into the egg of the mother in the womb. And once it lodges itself in the egg, uh, the egg starts to grow uh, into a being. If it did not go into the egg, uh, the egg will not grow. Uh, like what they call Long Chong Tan. <laughs> the chicken egg in the factory that is not fertilized, it will not hatch into a chicken because it's not fertilized. Mm. So, in the suttas, huh, there is a being that goes into, into the womb. Secondly, huh, 
in another sutta, the Buddha said, the being that enters the womb are four types. One enters the womb unknowing, blur, blur, enters the womb. Stays there also, blur, blur, doesn't know what's going on. Comes out also unknowing. <laughs> another type, enters the womb knowing. After he enters the womb, blur, blur, doesn't know. Come out also doesn't know. The third type, enters the womb knowing uh, and then stays in the womb knowing. But when he comes out, he does not know. Then the fourth type, the best, is like our bodhisattva. You see, enter the womb, he knows. Stays in the womb, he knows. Come out also, he knows. So that shows uh, there is a being uh, that enters the womb. Mm. There are several things in the suttas that are contradictory to the Abhidhamma. This is one of them. <clears throat> another, another thing uh, that makes me accept uh, that there is a soul uh, is that the Buddha has several psychic powers. Uh. One of his psychic powers uh, is called this mind-made-body. Sometimes when the Buddha's disciples were practicing so hard na, at night, na, they try not to sleep. Na. They try to attain the jhanas one by one, na, and they, they, they try, try to keep mindful 24 hours a day. So like remember Moglan, na, he refused to sleep. Na. He was so tired until in the middle of the night he fell asleep. Then the Buddha went to him. But to go to him in the physical body na, is quite far. So the Buddha, what did the Buddha do? The Buddha came out from the top of his head. Another body came out from the top of his head. And the body uh, is a golden body uh, that looks quite like the physical body. Uh. So the Buddha went to this Venerable Moglana and asked him to wake up and asked him to strive harder. Then he got a shock. Uh. The Buddha so far away can come to him. Mm-hmm. So he knew that the Buddha was watching him. CCTV watching him. <laughs> Dare not sleep. Night after night. Second night also like that. Too tired, fell asleep. Again the Buddha went to him. Third night also like that. Buddha went to him. So he struggled until seven days he became an Arahant. Didn't sleep for seven days. So you see, this another thing uh, that shows uh, there is such a thing as an astral body, like what the Hindus talk about. Mm. Another one uh, is in the suttas, Herbal Sariputta said, if a person's karma is so bad uh, that after he passes away, uh, he's destined to go to hell, uh, the hell beings will come up when he's dying. uh, The moment he dies, uh, the hell beings will drag him down to hell. So what are they dragging? They're not dragging, they don't want his smelly cops, you know. And they're dragging his soul down to hell. Mm-hmm. So what is this soul? This soul uh, is a spiritual part of us. And this soul uh, changes uh, with our character. If you are a Ngao Ching, uh, you'll be a Ngao. No? Your astral body will be a Ngao. So... That's why the Buddha said, if you want to go to heaven, you got to change your character right now until you become a deva or a devi now. In other words, your astral body has turned into a deva or a devi. 
and then you will automatically, yeah, the moment you pass away, yeah, the heavenly chariot will come, come for you. Mm. But most people, you have a ghost inside there. So, if you have a ghost soul, uh, you have to be very careful. If you drive at night, uh, the ghost might cause you to have an accident. Because the ghost wants you to be his girlfriend or his boyfriend. <laughs> the moment you have an accident and you pass away, eh? it's waiting for you. So, these uh, devas, devis, and ghosts, uh, they can see. They can see our soul inside. Mm-hmm. So if you are a very virtuous monk, uh, just like some monks, they go into the deep forest to meditate alone. They will meet in the deep forest uh, fierce ghosts and fierce devas. But when these fierce ghosts and devas look at them, uh, they know uh, what kind of person this person is. Uh, and uh, they will respect uh, if you are a virtuous person. They won't harm you. Mm-hmm. On top of this evidence in the suttas, huh? ah, this chair is a bit narrow to turn around. <clears throat> On top of these uh, incidents in the suttas, huh? there are incidents in real life huh? that have made me believe. Huh? One is that an old devotee of mine in Penang, he said years ago the auntie was dying. And the auntie had a very nasty character, very bad-tempered, full of hatred. Two days before the auntie died, nah, as she was sleeping, nah, the Dracula teeth came out. Long Dracula teeth. All the children saw, nah, they got shocked. And this man who told me he saw himself. So two days later, when that lady passed away, eh? the Dracula teeth disappeared. Uh, what does it mean? It means uh, the soul is coming out. As we are two or three days before we die, eh? our body is getting weaker and the soul is coming out. And that's why they start to see another world and all that. So she has turned into this Dracula, fierce ghost. Mm-hmm. Ghosts also got many types. Eh? Mm-hmm. That's why the moment she died, nah, the soul left the body yeah, and the teeth disappeared. Mm-hmm. Another one nah, is that recently a lady devotee told me the brother-in-law is a businessman and because of greed, nah, he went to get some of this, what we call kwai chai, kui kia. Huh? Come on now. This uh, ghost, la, this spirit. La. Mm-hmm. When they acquire it, uh, it might be like a baby ghost, you know, very easy to take care. But then as it grows, uh, the teeth will come out. And then it's not, n- not satisfied with normal food. La. It wants blood. And then uh, after that, uh, it wants sex. Mm-hmm. But he will serve you, whatever you want him to do, he will serve you. Mm-hmm. So this man, by keeping this spirit, he became a multi-millionaire. But now he's dying. Now that he's dying, 
the ghost want to come and bring him for rebirth. So of course he's scared. Hold on to life, refuse to die. Drag on day after day, drag on. Now this devotee told me, uh, the sister says, uh, the husband's face uh, has turned into a fierce being. Totally different face. Looking for rebirth in the fierce realm. Mm -hmm. So you see, that person uh, is going for rebirth in whatever realm, uh, his face will change. The other one, also a young devotee, beginning of this year, told me the mother was dying of cancer. I had asked the mother to come to keep eight precepts in our monastery. She came two or three times, but could not stay long. Too much attachment, she went back this time. So as she was dying, uh, over the, the few days before she died, her face started to change, change into a ghost face. The son got alarmed. The son called me up and told me, uh, I said, most people are like that. Uh. Most humans, when we die, uh, a normal human being uh, will take rebirth in the ghost realm. If you do evil, uh, you'll be either an animal or a hell being. But a normal person, because of selfishness, uh, will turn into a ghost. Because you have used up a good karma. As a human being, uh, we are like a deva or a devi. You know? A lot of people don't realize, uh, as a human being, uh, we have a better life uh, than some devas and devis. Those low devas, like ghosts, I'm sorry, this um, uh, snake, snakes, snake devas, nagas, and garudas, bird devas, they have to kill uh, to charimakan. You don't have to kill. But there are some poor people, uh, every day they have to hunt, they have to fish to survive. Mm, those low devas are like that. Mm. But you're all very well, very well off, ma. You see, you can listen to Dhamma in the aircon room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like in heaven, like that. Yeah. So, here's another case. Another one, uh, Many years ago, one man told me his real experience. He was probably a gangster. He told me at one time, there were four men out to kill him. You know, They chased him. He knew they wanted to kill him. So he ran for his life as fast as he could. And these four men were behind him, chasing him. Suddenly he heard a gunshot. He kept running, you know running and then something told him uh, to look back. So when he looked back, he saw his body on the ground. And he was out of his body. And then uh, this intuitive thought came to him, you know, I must go back, I must go back. So he went back to his body uh, and survived. If he did not go back to his body, uh, he would not have survived. That's why nowadays you find on the internet a lot of out-of-body experiences, yeah? Especially some people who are on the operating theater, you know, they are under anesthesia. They, are, they, they don't know anything. Suddenly they, they come out of the body and they see the doctor operating on them and the nurses, everything. Mm -hmm. 
But then because of attachment, they come back. If they don't come back, they'll never come back. So all these make me believe that there is a soul. So to summarize, our rebirth depends on our karma. And our karma depends on our mind state, whether we have a wholesome mind or unwholesome mind. So you want to have a good rebirth, you have to develop yourself to have a wholesome mind. Then you will perform wholesome actions. And for that, the Dhamma is extremely important. A few months ago, I was in Manila. Uh, giving Dharma talks for a few days, la, and there were many Catholics who came to listen. I asked them, what is the biggest sin in the world? Some people said, uh, kill somebody. I said, no. I could not answer. What is the biggest sin in the world? Anybody know? Ignorance. Not knowing the Dharma. If you don't know the Dharma, you do things that you should not do. Yeah? And you don't do things that you should do. So you will go for a bad rebirth. Now, Now, what is the best rebirth? (laughs) If you were to ask the Buddha, he will say what? No rebirth is good rebirth. (laughs) Just like we say, no news is good news. Eh? So how to get no rebirth or always good rebirth? Just now we talk about karma and all that, nah, to get a good rebirth. But that is for one or two lives, you know. You cannot guarantee eh, that you have a good rebirth all the time. So how to guarantee that you have a good rebirth all the time, eh? is to become an Arya. Basically, there are four types of Arya. You can say eight types of Sola. Eight types in the sense that first path, first fruit, second path, second fruit, third path, third fruit, and fourth path, fourth fruit. But once you attain the path, uh, it, it, it turns to fruit uh, in the same lifetime. That's why sometimes people say only four types of Arya, uh, the four fruits. Uh, now, for lay people, uh, I mentioned just now uh, that it's almost impossible for you to attain the jhanas. Why? Because in the description of the first jhana, it is said, uh, aloof or secluded from sensual desires, secluded from unwholesome states, among enters and abides in the first jhana. So for a person to attain the first jhana, you must be secluded or aloof from sensual desires, and from unwholesome states. To be secluded from uh, sensual desires and unwholesome states, uh, you have to be a renunciant. Normal lay person, uh, you have a lot of desires. So, that's why uh, lay persons almost impossible to attain the jhanas. Now, concerning the Aryans, uh, 
there is a sutta which says uh, that this sutta is Anguttara Nikaya 3.86 la, that says uh, Sotapanna and the Saka the Garmin, the first and the second fruit area, they have perfect sila. And just now I said perfect or Aryan sila is the seven precepts. The second fruit, uh, Saka the Garmin, uh, has perfect sila and and I uh, know the third fruit, uh, the anagamin, uh, has perfect sila and samadhi. Perfect samadhi is the four jhanas. So the anagamin must have four jhanas. The arahan, which is the fourth fruit, uh, must have perfect sila, samadhi, and panya. So the third fruit and the fourth fruit uh, must have four jhanas. Now the difference between the sotipanna and the saka, the gamin, uh, is that the Sotapanna does not need any jhana. The Sakadagami needs either the first or the second or the third jhana. There are some monks that say even Sotapanna you need the first jhana. But there is a sutta which confirms that the Sotapanna does not have jhana and that is Sangita Nikaya 55.40. There it says, there are two types of sotapanna, the diligent and the negligent. The diligent sotapanna, after he becomes a sotapanna, he makes further effort uh, to attain the jhanas. The negligent sotapanna, after he attains sotapanna, he does not make any more effort to attain the jhanas. Uh, that shows uh, both of them also don't have jhana. Mm-hmm. So for lay people, uh, to attain sotapanna is not difficult. Mm-hmm. No need to strive for Sakadagamin. Kao leo. Sotapanna. Chakbe leo. Once you have uh, attained Sotapanna, which is by listening to the suttas, uh, the Buddha says uh, you have seven more lifetimes. And these seven lifetimes uh, is always in heaven and in the human realm. And each time you come back, uh, either heaven or human realm, uh, you have great, very great blessings. You have a long life compared to other, other people. Uh, you, are, no, you are beautiful, more beautiful uh, compared to other devas and devis uh, and humans. And then the third is sukang. You are extremely happy, uh, always happy inside. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is balang. Balang is two things. One is you become famous. Secondly, you have uh, selat. You have uh, you will uh, worldly success, worldly power. Mm. So, so for lay people, uh, you must always strive uh, to attain sotapanna. Because uh, if you don't attain stream entry uh, by listening to the suttas, uh, you have to go for rebirth again and again, uh, countless times for eternity. And in that long cycle of rebirths, uh, you will fall into the three woeful planes again and again, more often than going up to human rebirth and heavenly rebirth. Mm-hmm. So, for lay people, uh, it's very important uh, to listen to the suttas. Even if you don't meditate, it's okay. If you can meditate to sharpen your mind, even better. Mm -hmm. 
Now, actually, in the same Sutta 55.40, uh, in the Sangyutta Nikaya, the Buddha said, uh, if you don't listen to his words uh, and attain stream entry, uh, the Buddha said, you're not a Buddhist at all. You're a hero, external sect follower. So a lot of people, uh, they think that they are Buddhists, uh, but if they don't listen to the suttas, the Buddha said, yeah, you're not his follower. Because the Buddha called all his followers savaka, hearers or listeners. Whether it's monks or nuns or laymen or laywomen, uh, all are called hearers, savakas, listeners of his word. In other words, listeners of his discourses, the suttas. Because if you don't listen to his suttas, uh, your faith uh, in the Buddha is not solid. One year you say you're a Buddhist. After a few years, uh, you pray and pray and you don't, cannot get what you want, and then you give up Buddhism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in Buddhism, uh, we don't come to pay for, we come to swear for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Follow the Buddha's footsteps. Mm-hmm. Lastly, I like to talk about some false beliefs. Lah. That some people believe eh, that by doing certain things, eh, you will have a good rebirth. For example, praying or making vows or crying for whatever you want. The Buddha said eh, in the Sutta, I think, Anguttara Nikaya 5.43, the Buddha said, eh, what we want, eh, we cannot get by prayers, we cannot get by vows, we cannot get by crying for it, thinking about it. Buddha said you can get... Eh, why is there so much suffering in the world? Hmm? The hell beings are crying out every day, praying for help. Who is helping them? The ghosts are crying every night. Nothing to eat. Walk on the streets. Huh? Have to eat the dead dog or dead cat or dead rat or whatever. Nothing to eat. They have to go to the jamban huh? and eat shit. Hmm. So they are all crying, uh, who is helping? Nobody can help. Because the world uh, is made by our mind. Just like when you are having a nightmare at night, uh, you are crying in your nightmare, who can, who can help you in your nightmare? Nobody can help you. You have to wake up. Mm. So, as some people say, for example, uh, if they pray to Amitabha, last few moments they call out Amitabha's name, uh, they will go to heaven. No such thing. A few years ago, I went to Telo Intan and to give a Dharma talk. And the Buddhist there told me an old lady, one of the members, had just died. And a few days before she died, she was crying every day. They asked her why. She said, why? Who has taken all my clothes? I'm naked. But everybody saw huh, that she was wearing clothes. She was not naked. But she saw herself as naked. What does it mean? It means she is going to a rebirth as a naked ghost. And the thing was, they asked me, why? She has been chanting Amitabha for 30 over years. What is important is your heart, your character inside, not the external. She wasted her time, her energy, 30 over years. And uh, some people believe uh, you follow that religion, you will go to heaven. I had a relative who changed his religion from Taoism to another religion, 
And he was very happy for 10 years. After 10 years, he had cancer. As he was dying, he saw ghosts, everyday ghosts. And then he asked why, why? They could not explain to him. In the last moment, he shouted, I don't believe in the religion anymore. And then too late. Some people think, uh, also, another wrong belief, uh, that your last thought moment is very important. As you are dying, uh, if your last thought, you think of a good thought, you go for a good rebirth. This partly comes from Abhidhamma. Abhidhamma, they talk about rebirth linking consciousness. When you are dying, uh, your last thought, uh, rebirth linking consciousness, will bring you for a good birth, you have a good thought. This is contradicted in the suttas. Why? This one sutta, uh, Sangyutta Nikaya 55.21. Mahanama was a cousin of the Buddha. And every evening, uh, he would go to the monastery to help do some work. And then stay for the Dhamma talk, the Dhamma discussion at night. And maybe it finishes at 10 o'clock at night. Uh. Every night, he'll walk back to his home in the city. The Buddha's time, uh, all the monasteries were forest monasteries, a few kilometers from the city. And the city, uh, they have these city gates, uh, and they are closed for the night. So every night he walks back in the dark. Last time, the the Lampu Jalan, <laughs> no street lights. So he's, he asked the Buddha, he said, every night I walk back in the dark like that. Uh, I was thinking, uh, maybe one night uh, I get a tragic death. Uh, Somebody might murder me or might get run over by a wild horse or a wild bull or something. Then at the last moment when I'm dying, I'm scared. Will I go for a bad rebirth? Buddha said, don't worry, Mahanama, don't worry. For a long time, we have taken refuge in the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. So the Buddha said, having listened to the Dhamma for so, so, so long, the mind is an elevated mind. The Buddha mentioned a few conditions like having faith in the Buddha, uh, much learning, that means knowledge of the suttas, etc., sila, etc. So the Buddha said, uh, this elevated mind will bring you for a good rebirth. So you see, even though your last thought uh, is frightened, it's a frightened, fright, frightening thought, uh, you, you won't go for a bad rebirth. Now, why? Why? Anybody can tell me? Uh, if you listen to my talks, you know uh, because when the doctor says that a person has died, uh, what he means uh, is that the breath, the breath has stopped, the pulse, the pulse has stopped, the heart has stopped. Uh. Using these two conditions, uh, the doctor says the person has died. This is called clinical death. Real death, uh, if, you, if you study the suttas only, you know. Uh. Even the Mayanis, they, they don't know. That's why they say, once a person has died, nah, you cannot move the body for eight hours. Mm -hmm. Because they don't know, there's a sutta where the Buddha said, nah, when a person dies, nah, really dies, nah, three things must stop. The vital energy, what we call qi in Chinese. Second, secondly, the thoughts. The, the, the thought must stop. The thinking. Nah. Thirdly, nah, the body heat. The body becomes cold. Mm -hmm. So, when the doctor says that somebody has died, uh, that is clinical death. Uh, but usually for maybe four or five hours, uh, he's still alive. As long as the body is warm, uh, 
the mind is still going on. He's still thinking. Now this thinking, uh, he has no control. Because when the doctor says that this person has died, uh, the five senses have closed. The eye, the ear, nose, tongue, body. is no more conscious of the outside world. He's only conscious of his dream state. This is like when we, when we are sleeping at night uh, and we are dreaming. Uh, we are not conscious of what is happening outside. Uh. So this dreaming state uh, depends on your character. Uh, if a person is a violent character, uh, he'll be dreaming, he's fighting. Uh, and then he might be reborn as an animal. Mm-hmm. If a person is a gentle character, uh, he practices the Dhamma, then he'll have a very peaceful thinking, uh, pleasant thoughts. Uh, and so it is this, this state, uh, this last few hours of thinking, uh, nobody can control. It depends on your character. Mm. And that determines your rebirth. That's why it's so important uh, to develop a wholesome mind so that you get a wholesome character. And then you get a beautiful soul that comes out. Not a fierce dakula that comes out. <laughs> So, I shall end here and invite questions. Excuse me. Excuse me, Bhante. Is jhana a state that is continuous or when the person is meditating? Oh, jhana cannot be continuous only when the person is meditating. So what? the person is not meditating, he cannot be in jhana. In no, no, no. Okay, he's in a you. coma, maybe. <laughs> thank you. Auntie. Wait, wait. Nah. Firstly, yeah, it's very difficult to attain jhana. You have, make, you have to make a lot of effort. And even after you start to attain jhana, you will fall out of it very fast. It's just like somebody carrying weight. You train yourself to carry heavier and heavier weight. And when you carry as heavy as as heavy a weight as you can, can you hold it for long? You cannot. It's like those people in the weightlifting contest. The moment they carry it up quickly, they must throw it down. And the same. So you might be able to enter jhana for a short moment. Very soon you come out of it. Because you don't have the muscle up here to prolong it. Mm. Yes? Auntie, can you repeat again the three um, features of real death? Oh, mm. she, the vital energy must stop. Secondly, the mind must stop, the thinking. Thirdly, the body heat. Bhante, I don't understand um, how the thinking can stop when a person dies. Oh, because when the person dies, the whole system has cooled down. Are you, are you talking about the real death? Yes, real death. Because our 
if do we really need a brain to think? You don't need a brain to think? Yeah, then if the brain dead, mm-hmm. our thinking still going on. Yes, if you are not, if you are not really dead, nah. If you are really dead, nah. Then your whole, your whole, our body is like a shell. It is not us. We are residing in the body as a spirit. We came into this body, in the womb. And when this body dies, we have to leave it, nah. Then associate the body with yourself. Body is not yourself. Yes. Then when when we die, uh, as you say, there's still a soul, and this soul still capable of thinking. Am I right? Yes, but uh, I'm not very sure huh, whether it's blur blur at that time lah. Okay, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. This, uh, they talk about conscious and subconscious mind. Is there any mention in Buddhism of subconscious mind? Not really, but in Mahayana Buddhism. Only in Abhidhamma you have the Bhavanga. But that is not in the suttas. So. A lot of scientific study shows that most of us actually are Ninety-five percent of times are in a subconscious state. Where our subconscious mind take control of our actions. And that is because uh, we are blur blur, ma. So one day, since you were saying that uh, you need a few hours before. Uh, you are actually spiritually dead. So what is your view on transplant? You you give your organs away. What would be your view on that? Because uh, Buddhism, yes. we encourage that. Mm. So, and it has to be done immediately after death. Mm. So how do you reconcile that? Day? And you have to figure it out yourself. <laughs> so, so, because it's the big... You, know, you, can't, you can't say in Buddhism that we encourage, it, we encourage this uh, organ donation because uh, during the Buddha's time there was no such thing. Ma. It's only something that is new. La. So we have to think ourselves. Yeah, yeah. But one thing I tell you la, about some real case. A uh, few years ago I went to Singapore to give Dharma talk, and there, there was uh, one devotee was showing me around a certain area. He said, this, that area, uh, he, from his flat, uh, from his condominium high up, he said, he said that area uh, used to be a cemetery, and they have uh, cleared the cemetery for development. So in the process of clearing, uh, they dug up the, the coffins, uh, and they, what they call, exhumed the, 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 the remains. Uh. So there's one coffin when they opened up, uh, they found uh, scratch marks on the coffin. That means uh, that person was buried uh, unknowingly still alive. So that person woke up in the grave. Uh, imagine how horrible. You panic, isn't it? You realize uh, when you start feeling all around, uh, you're in a coffin. So he scratch, scratched the coffin. Nobody, nobody knew. So I had to really die there.
That's why our Chinese, uh, we are smart. We keep for three days, or five days, or seven days. It's from experience, ma. Yeah, sometimes they put the corpse uh, in the mortuary. Yeah? After two weeks or so, the person is still alive. You have to be careful, huh? You want to record? Mm-hmm. I think this question is about um, the moments uh, close to death and after the death. So just now, Bhante mentioned that um, like a few hours or a few days before the person passes away, um, the Dracula images comes out. Now, if the person looks peaceful, conversely, if the person looks peaceful, can that be sort of an assurance that um, a good rebirth is going to happen? Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a case of a lady who told me the mother died of cancer. And uh, maybe the tumor burst or something. Lah. But uh, when she was dying, uh, the face was like contorted in pain. Uh. Then after that, the doctor said she had died. Then the daughter was around. Uh. So the daughter said after one or two hours, uh, when she looked at the mother, the face changed uh, and became a very peaceful, very happy, glowing face. Uh. That shows uh, she probably had a good heart and was thinking good thoughts. Lah. See, Bhante, and then um, it's an observation. I do not know whether how real or how accurate the observation is. But after death, the load of peace is still there. But like, yeah, the, what? The, the, the peaceful loads are still there. Mm-hmm. But somehow, um, after about two or three days, uh, I have a sense that person does not look as peaceful anymore. Is there any implication on that? Two or three days, then the body is cold already, probably. Mm-hmm. has no Im- implication. No, no implication. Mm-hmm. One thing I read somewhere, uh, um, those people who do makeup for people who pass away, well. <laughs> But if you ask him, uh, he can tell you uh, the disease will go to heaven or hell because by pressing his hand uh, on the head, if the head uh, is uh, warm, that means he's rebirth in the heaven plane. It is, uh, un- at, at the leg is warm, uh, it goes to hell. Is it true? <laughs> <laughs> that is more from Tibetan Buddhism. Not, not. But there's something about this... Uh, this uh, what do you call it? This uh, undertakers. Uh, sometimes that that corpse uh, has become stiff, uh, and they want to change the clothes and want to do makeup. Uh, so they have a trick. Uh, they will talk to the corpse. Uh, they say, "I want to make you beautiful." Uh, you cooperate uh, by making your body soft, uh, so that I can change your clothes for you. And suddenly the body becomes soft. Mm, and it's true. You know why? Because the ghost is still around. The ghost is around. As long as the body has not decayed, that ghost is attached to that body. My body is attached to that body. So when you 
speak to that 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 corpse nicely, yeah, you can make the the body soft. Mm-hmm. Not because they chant Amitabha or something like that. Mm-hmm. I tell you in the Vinaya books lah. During the Buddha's early days, yeah, he didn't he did not accept robes from lay people. So the monks for maybe twenty years, yeah, they had to go to the cemetery and pick up the cloth from the corpses, you know. And they used to wrap the corpse in the cloth, lah, white cloth, huh, and throw it in the forest. And then as it slowly decays, uh, the animals will come and eat the corpse and all that. Lah. So the monks had to go and collect this smelly, smelly cloth uh, and wash it again and again and again. So one day, one monk went and collect and took this uh, cloth uh, from a new corpse. The corpse has just died. So he took the cloth and then the ghost shouted, Don't take my cloth! <laughs> I don't know whether he heard or I didn't hear. It was not mentioned. He took the cloth and ran. And then uh, the ghost got up and ran after him. <laughs> he, he continued running. Uh, run, ran to the monastery, went inside his kuti, uh, opened the door, went inside and slammed the door shut. The ghost, the corpse, uh, came right up to his kuti and fell down. Well, the monks saw. Uh, and the monks reported to the Buddha. So the Buddha called all of them. And told them, next time you take the cloth from the corpse, wait until it's decayed. Before it's decayed, don't take. I see the the ghosts are still very attached to that cloth. My cloth. <laughs> so it's it's around, you know, for a few days uh, until the thing really decomposes. And sometimes it's around. Uh, he wants you to know. Because he's in a difficult situation, he needs help. That's why we Chinese say, on the seventh night, you can hear the ghost coming back. Somebody walking, footsteps, but you see nobody. The door will open by itself, the window will open, or the lights will come on. So next time you know, somebody has passed away, you want to change the dress, and then put makeup, you know what to say. Wait a while, huh? they want to pass you the... Oh, one minute, let, let him ask. One thing, as a lay person to strike, to become a sotapana, right? So, uh, how to know, how to indicate when, when the time, the journey uh, to become sotapana, any indication to know that the lay person is, uh, is improving to become sotapana? There is lah, but uh, if you keep thinking about when you're going to get Sotopanna, <laughs> you may not get lah. The important thing is to do the job lah. Do the job of listening to the suttas and trying to practice what you, what you learn lah. But the indication lah, is that your character will change lah. You slowly, slowly let go of your attachments. You slowly don't chase after worldly pleasures lah. You don't think of going to sightseeing in China, uh, going to a Singapore casino, uh, all that. Uh, slowly you give up, no? and then you want to spend all your time uh, listening to the Dhamma, meditating, keeping your precepts, etc. Then your friends will find hey, this fellow becoming very queer. 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to ask a few questions. What happened uh, during sudden death? Like so you get an accident, suddenly you just die. Eh? Do the person conscious in a, in a very sudden? Then uh, second question is... Wait, wait, one by one. <laughs> I guess sometimes like accident, uh, like just now I mentioned the man who got shot. Uh, you suddenly come out of his body, you know. And then uh, if the body is too badly damaged, uh, then he wouldn't want to go back and suffer. No? Hmm. What makes us come back now uh, usually is attachment. Uh, they are, they are, I've read some books uh, on these uh, people who died uh, between like 10 to 20 minutes. Uh, they come out of the body, they can see what's going on, and they have no more pain in the body. And they feel good, and they, sometimes it's another being, a being of light comes to them and seems to have a lot of metta. And then they think they want to go off, and sometimes it seems the being also will replay for them their life, you know, their whole life, all the good and the bad that they did, and they remember. And then they want to go off with this being, suddenly they remember their close loved ones are crying. And then the, the being knows la, that the attachment is still there and then tell, tell them <coughs> that time is not right. La. They will, he will come back again. La. So then they go back la, to their body. Okay, and actually reading the suttas, uh, some of the arahants actually had very difficult death also. Some. So it is the way you die doesn't indicate the state of mind or I mean like where you're headed. Right? The, the way you die. Oh, no, the Arahans, some of them, like for example, commit suicide nah, because the body was giving them a lot of pain. And because they had finished their work, nah, the Buddha said, there's no harm, you do whatever you want. And then uh, that was like a permission nah, to commit suicide. Then they commit suicide. Nah, because the Buddha said, nah, as long as you have finished your work, nah, it's harmless. Nah, to... So it, the the, the the pain was before the death. Okay. I got actually two more. Is it is it a prerequisite to be a sotapana before you or some people can go to jhana before sotapana? Is it like a step by step thing? No, you can Or you can enter jhana without having sotapana, you know, without even being there. Uh Jhana is more difficult to attain than Sotapanna. Sotapanna, you have got the good, you need a lot of good blessings uh, to be able to listen to the true Dhamma. And then when you listen to the true Dhamma and you understand, uh, and you become a stream enterer, first path, you shall turn to Sotapanna. But if you, for example, the external sect ascetics, uh, they didn't get a chance to listen to the Dhamma, then they strove very hard and they attained the jhanas. After they attained the jhanas, when they listen to the Dhamma, they attain a higher stage. They may attain Sotapanna first, and then after that, nah, they will attain, for example, if they have one or two or three jhanas, nah, they can become a Sakadagamin, a second fruit. And if they have four jhanas, nah, for example, once the Buddha, uh, soon after the Buddha was enlightened, nah, he was gathering disciples. And he was looking for those people who had attained four jhanas. Because people who had attained four jhanas, uh, they will be the easiest to teach. Uh. 
So the Buddha went to this Jatilas, 1,000 Jatilas, matted hair ascetics, huh, who had wrong view. They prayed to the fire, but they cultivated jhana, and many of them had psychic powers. Huh. So the Buddha went to them. The Buddha knew huh, that it was very difficult to teach these people because their ego is so big. Once they have attained uh, psychic powers, many of them thought they are arahants. So the Buddha stayed with them a few weeks uh, and showed psychic power. And over the weeks, uh, the Buddha showed psychic power until they were convinced uh, that the Buddha's psychic power was much greater than them. Uh, and they had a lot of respect for the Buddha. Uh, for example, one morning, the leader, Kasapa, he invited the Buddha to go to the dining hall for breakfast. So the Buddha said, you go first, I will see you there. When he reached the dining hall, he saw the Buddha seated there. And the Buddha was holding a flower, and the Buddha offered the flower to him. Then he took the flower, and he was surprised. He said, i never seen such a beautiful flower. Where did you get it from? The Buddha said, I went to the Tavatimsa heaven, the heaven of the 33, and brought it down just for you. Uh, then, you know, that was how the Buddha convinced them uh, that the Buddha's psychic power was so great. Uh. So after that, when the, they had faith uh, in the Buddha, then the Buddha told the leader, Kasapa, you keep thinking you're an Arahan, but you're not an Arahan. You're not practicing the way to become an Arahan. This was like a slap in his face, you know. Everybody respect him as an Arahan. Here is the Buddha telling him he's not an Arahan. So he, being a wise person, uh, he knew what the Buddha was getting to. Uh, so he bowed to the Buddha and asked to be a disciple of the Buddha. And the Buddha accepted him as a disciple. He shaved off his, his hair. Uh, and in 999 also did the same. After that, the Buddha spoke to them one sutta, the fire discourse, because they prayed to fire. So the Buddha said, the whole world is on fire. What fire? The fire of greed, hatred and delusion. And slowly, slowly spoke about anatta, non-self. Just listening to one sutta, all of them attain arahan. 1,000 attain arahan. So what level you attain uh, depends on your how, how clear your mind is. If you have the four jhanas, uh, your mind is completely clear. Uh. The Buddha said a person with four jhanas, uh, when he contemplates, he wants to know something, uh, he will know. For example, the Buddha wanted to know about his past lives. He just contemplate about his past lives and he knows. But we don't have jhana. If we don't have jhana, we contemplate our past lives can know or not. Maybe we can dream. Uh. <laughs> Thank you, Bhante. Mm. Uh, Bhante, may I ask just a question? Uh, when a person dies, why do we invite Mang to go in chant? It means that they will get a peaceful death. After the person has died? Uh, Usually when a person dies, you invite the monk to go for chanting and all this. That, that, that chanting uh, is mostly for the live people, uh, the people who are alive. The dead person does not need. Uh. So they don't get a peaceful death? No, the, 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 before the monks have arrived, he's already dead. Uh, how, how to determine? But there are some people, uh, when they are dying, they are very afraid. So... They cannot die. Then you invite monks to do some chanting, uh, and then they feel better, and then they go off faster. 
But after a person has died, it's better to do dana. Invite some monks to, to have some food uh, and transfer merit to them. At the same time, the monk can give a dharma talk to the family. Yeah. Um, one day I have two questions. Uh. First question is actually, uh, if you want to learn for detachment, uh, then for example that uh, we are working one, should we like uh, work harder, I mean earn more money and, and uh, get more uh, basic, basically uh, higher positions if we are for those are doing business one, should they grow uh, the business or they should just you know learn to detach? Each person uh, is at a different level. So depending on your level uh, you have to decide yourself whether you are ready to let go or not. If you're not ready to let go, you cannot force yourself to let go. It must come naturally. Uh. Because sometimes, uh, in my mind, a bit, uh, I mean, not sure, it's like, if we have the ability, right, uh, to do better, then in a way that maybe we can help others, I mean, in terms of financial or anything. But at the same time, like, according to Buddhism, that we should learn to detach, right? It's a bit, like, uh, even confused in myself, like. So, actually, uh, in terms from Buddhist uh, point of view, in fact, which one should be the appropriate one? You have to balance the two. No? You're not ready to let go completely, so you have to balance the two. No? Then, second question is, in fact, for chanting, is it helpful for, uh, for, uh, for our blessing or for anything? Or actually not really for anything? No? Actually, during the Buddha's time, uh, there was very little chanting. Uh. Nowadays, if you invite a monk to your house for house dana, then after the meal, they will do some chanting uh, as a blessing. But during the Buddha's time, the blessing they gave uh, was not chanting, but a dharma talk. They give a short dharma talk uh, as a blessing. Nowadays, a lot of things are misinterpreted. For example, in Chinese Buddhism, they always talk about fa hui. And you mentioned far away, yeah? they, they, they expect the monks and nuns to come and do a lot of chanting. Yeah? But actual far away yeah, is Dhamma, Dhamma session. That means uh, the monks will come and teach Dhamma. Like now, now we are having a far away. Mm. But we are not having a chanting. <laughs> yeah? mm. Okay, thank you. Uh, to enter this stream entry, uh, is there if you are uh, Sadhanusari or Dhammanusari or, or Dhamma follower or faith follower? Is there a potential that, uh, or rather guarantee that you actually can enter to um, Sadhapana? No, both also, both are called stream entrance, that means they have attained the first path. Then definitely, by the time they pass, before they pass away, eh, they will attain. They will attain the fruit, na, which is a sotapanna. So dhamma, uh, you got dhamma follower, both Both The important thing is to become a stream enterer, and that is by listening to the dhamma. In the Majjhima Nikaya Sutta <coughs> forty-three, eh, it is said that there are two conditions for right view. 
And once you attain right view, uh, you have entered the Aryan Eightfold Path. Lah. You have become a stream enterer. Lah. And the two conditions are the voice of another teaching you the true Dhamma. And the second condition is focus attention. When you listen to the Dhamma, you must focus your attention so that you understand. So you keep listening and understanding and practicing what you learn. And then and that's all that is important. Thank you, Pante. this is the first time that I heard that uh, uh, it's easier to be a sutapana than to get a jhana. Okay. Mm. So, as a lay person, assuming uh, if the correct characters and everything, we, we, we become a sutapana, does it mean that once you are in the stream entry, automatically for seven life, you would move upwards? Does that mean that you no need jhana, or is it after you have gone into sotapanna that then the jhana will come? Because, no, no. because we have always been taught that we have to go to into the jhana first before you become a sotapanna. But this is the first time that I heard that as lay people we can actually become the I mean the the lower class sotapanna. But then, uh, then <laughs> does it automatically does it automatically that we start moving forward? Mean we get all the criteria that we have learned, uh, the jhana, and, uh, or is it that if you don't follow, then you will drop out? Because uh, this is the first step. Is it automatic? How to become automatic? Is it then uh, once you are in the sotapanna, does it mean that if you have the right condition, then you will have the right condition to learn? You got the teacher to come and everything, and then you will have a very smooth journey up. Is it? Firstly, yeah. Attaining stream entry yeah, or becoming a sutapanna is not the lower class. <laughs> no, because we, we always give the impression uh, that you have to be the jhana before you go in. So, of course, I put it in a very... A very uh, well, because you gave us a better hope, you know, in the sense that, you know, uh, as a lay people with good character, with the right sila, with the right condition, we, we still got the hope to go in, you know. Although you, you are not a good meditator or you, are, you, you haven't experienced jhana. So Stream entry uh, is higher class than jhana. Oh. Yeah. Because uh, jhana, uh, even external sex ascetic can attain. Mm. But because they have not attained stream entry, uh, after they pass away, they might go to heaven and all that. Uh. One day uh, they will go to hell. But once you become a stream enterer, you'll never be reborn in hell or the animal realm or the ghost realm. And your blessings is immense compared to the jhana Athena. Secondly, the Sotapanna, after he has passed away, how he eventually attains Nibbana depends on him. The Buddha said there is a type that is a one-seeder. He only takes rebirth once and he strives very hard and then he will enter Nibbana. That means probably be attain Arahanhood. Then there's another type that will take two or three lives and then enter Nibbana. Then there's another type that will take more, up to seven lives. Now, if he attains Arahanhood, he will 
Anthony Bana after he passes away as an arahan. If he attains anagamin, third fruit, nah, he will reborn, be reborn in the Sudavasa heavens. Nah. Uh, the fourth jhana plane. Nah. Or some of them, if they constantly abide in Arupa jhana, then they take rebirth in the Arupa realm. Nah. And from, from there, nah, they enter Nibbana when they pass away. They don't attain arahanhood, you know. They don't have to attain arahanhood. From there, they just die and pass away into Nibbana. Same with the Sudavasa heavens. That's for an anagamin. So if he's a, if he's a Sakadagamin, then he's reborn in heaven. Then he comes back, the last life. The last life, that means either he strives like our Buddha, becomes an Arahan and enters Nibbana, or even if he does not strive, uh, for example, the person who has uh, finished seven lifetimes, uh, the moment he dies, uh, he will enter Nibbana. You know, when we are dying, uh, our body becomes weaker and weaker and weaker, and the mind uh, becomes stronger and stronger. Recently, just about a week ago, I met one of our devotees, uh, who had been missing for about three months. So I asked him what happened to you. He said he had a virus infection. Then uh, he went to Ipoh Hospital. The, the doctors gave him antibiotics. And then he didn't improve. Went to see some uh, specialist center, some private hospital. They gave him some more antibiotics. <laughs> Became so weak, uh, they told him must be admitted to the hospital. Then he decided to go to where his son was in Johor Bahru. And there the son sent him to some uh, private hospitals. Lah. And then he got antibiotic after antibiotic until he became so weak eh, that he said he went to the toilet. He could not get up from the toilet seat. And after that, he became so weak eh, that he thought he was going to pass away. Lah. Totally given up already. He's going to pass away. And then at that stage, yeah, he thought of giving up the struggle. So he let go. Let go. And then he said, yeah, as he was about to die, yeah, suddenly, yeah, because he had been listening to the Dhamma talks, yeah, and his favorite was Paticca Samupada, dependent origination. Yeah, uh, this talk came up in his mind. That everything yeah, is only conditions only. And perhaps he saw uh, more clearly, yeah, no self, yeah. And suddenly, uh, he like uh, maybe he got a, a, a little enlightenment, uh, and he recovered. Uh, he didn't die. <laughs> so after that, uh, he told me, uh, near death only, uh, he realized uh, the value of the Dhamma. So that's why, you see, when uh, Sotapanna probably, uh, even he has not attained jhana when he's dying, uh, when he's dying, the, the body becomes weaker and weaker and the mind becomes clearer and clearer. And everything becomes, all the Dhamma that you have learned becomes so clear, you know. And then that person thinks Nibbana. Mm -hmm. So Bhante, uh, in conclusion, mean we first thing get into Sotapanna, then we are on the right way. Yes. So it's good to hear that. Uh, no, you no need to, of course, meditation, everything will in a better and stronger position yeah, yeah. but it's not mandatory like, in the sense that so if you give a 
lot of people many a lot of hope. Thank you, Sante. You see, just now I mentioned the Buddha called his disciples Savakas, listeners or hearers. Secondly, in one sutta, the Buddha said, if you don't listen to his words and attain stream entry, eh, you are not a follower of the Buddha. You are an external sect follower. Mm-hmm. We brought some uh, SD cards eh, on sale there. Uh, one set is only 30 ringgit. The SD card plus the player, but our cost price is forty-five because we want you to be a stream enterer. That's <laughs> <what I mean. laughs> Special offer. Thank you, Bante. Bante, uh, the Sotapanna right who pass away in the next life will they remember their Sotapanna? Ah they... yes. Um, they may not remember, but uh, once you have become an Arya, you are on autopilot. Uh, inside. In Hinduism, they call it what the, the Adi Guru, your primary teacher. Inside, it's in your memory. So, like for example, the Buddha, he met, when he met the Buddha Kasapa, our Buddha was a Brahmin. He had no faith in the Buddha. His friend, uh, Jyotipala, uh, Gatikara, Asked him to see the Buddha so many times he refused. He said, What's the use of seeing your shaveling monk, your botak, botak monk? He, said, he refused to go. And then his friend dragged him by the hair, you know. And his friend is a low caste man. Drag him by the hair uh, is a, is a very big offense, you know. If he reported, reported it to the other Brahmins, the Brahmins might kill him, man. Eh? So he got, got shocked, now. He asked his friend, Is it so important uh, that you dare to do this? His friend said, yes, it's so important. Then he thought, nah, nah, there is something special about his teacher. So he went to see the Buddha. Then the, his friend, Gatikara, the pot maker, uh, bowed to the Buddha and sat down. He uh, refused to bow. Lah, say, hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> uh, then he sat down. Then the, the friend uh, explained to the Buddha, he said, uh, Bhagawa, this is my good friend, Jyotipala. He's a Brahmin. Please teach him some Dhamma or compassion. Buddha taught him some Dhamma. After that, he became a monk. That shows he had attained stream entry. So after that, he must have attained the first jhana because after he passed away, the Buddha said he went to Tusita heaven, came down as Siddhartha Gautama. As a small boy, 10 years old, he could enter the first jhana under the Jambu tree. Where did he learn that? must be from Buddha Kasapa. That shows, uh, he having attained the first jhana, he must have been a Sakadagamin, second fruit. Second fruit person uh, goes to heaven, comes back as a human being, uh, will enter Nibbana, will strive to enter Nibbana. That's why the Buddha was in a rich family. The, the wife just gave birth, beautiful young wife. For no good reason, uh, he left the parents, left the wife and the son uh, to become a monk. Nowadays, uh, if somebody do that, we say, cheese in your. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So you see, there's something inside him uh, that drives him to become a monk. He can't, even at that time, he, I don't think he understood why. Why he had to do it, but he knew he had to do it. And imagine, uh, after he became a monk, uh, he went to the forest, stayed under the, the, the open air. During the winter, the Buddha said, uh, he's so cold uh, and the teeth will chatter. Uh, and uh, have to beg for his food 
parents are rich, why does he have to beg for his food? Mm-hmm. And probably uh, sitting under the tree uh, and thinking of his wife and his parents, uh, probably the tears came down. But he doesn't know why he has to do it, but he has to do it. So we have, uh, once you have become an Arya, uh, yeah, on autopilot, even though he has forgotten, uh, but he has to go that way. Bhante mm. is, um, some of us may be moving between uh, Mahayana and Chiravada. But uh, we cannot let go of not chanting Sin Jin or Tape Zhou. I also was like you, ma. <laughs> <laughs> After I switched to Theravada, I still chant the Tape Zhou. As I learn more and more Dhamma, slowly, slowly let go. No? Mm-hmm. Takes time, la. takes time. You have to listen more to the suttas. Sin Jin can, Sin Jin can lead you to have a better understanding of oneself. Xin Jing, uh, just like this, uh, Jin Kang Jing, uh, is close to Theravada Dhamma, but it does not explain. Uh, you know, this is uh, Kong, uh, this Kong, uh, but it cannot explain. Uh, if you listen to the many suttas in the Sangyutta Nikaya, it explains very clearly. Bhante, I'd like to ask a question concerning seeing things as they are. Um, just now Bhante mentioned that delusion is the inability to see things as they are. But I, I seem to have this sort of understanding that um, seeing things as they are means seeing things in accordance to the Four Noble Truths. Then um, ignorance is not knowing the Four Noble Truths. So there doesn't seem to be much difference there. Yes, but if you have delusion, uh, even though you hear the Four Noble Truths, uh, you think you know, uh, but you don't understand. Because your mind is not focused. You can keep keep listening to it many times, but you, you don't understand, don't really understand. And ignorance is um, not knowing about the Four Noble Truths at all. Not understanding. Not understanding. Mm. Delusion means you don't see things clearly, not only about the phone, our intuits, anything else. When the person dead, the soul came out from which part? Head, eyes, nose, ear, mouth, heart, or the body? It doesn't matter. <laughs> but there are some people who have experienced it. They seem to go through a tunnel, go through a tunnel, they hear ringing, ringing and all that. They see light at the end of the tunnel. Is it the same? Don't worry, in a a few years' time you will know very clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the same sight like human being or 50 cent coin? Huh? What is that? Soul. The soul. The the size. No, no, it depends on what, what you have developed into. You become a deva, you suddenly come out of your body, huge deva. <laughs> but I believe uh, if you are, we are already evolved to be a human being. You cannot take rebirth as a flea or a mosquito, something that is so undeveloped. We have already spiritually evolved. No. But you might be able to take rebirth as a cow. 
You see cows, uh, when they drag them to slaughter, uh, the tears come down, you know. Tears come down. That means uh, they have emotions, like human beings, dogs or so. Mm-hmm. But not lower animals. Lah. Lower animals, they don't have emotions like us. If you kill a mosquito, although it's afraid, lah, but it doesn't suffer like like beings with emotion. Lah. The Buddha said, nah, once nah, he was with his disciples in the forest, so he took up some leaves in his hand. So the Buddha said, he asked his disciples, he said, you see the leaves in my hand, is it much compared to the leaves in the forest? They said, nah, the leaves in your hand are so little, Bhagawa, the leaves in the forest are so much. Buddha said, nah, what I know nah, is like the leaves in the forest so much. What I teach nah, is so little, like in my hand. I only teach suffering. The cause of suffering, the ending of suffering, and the path leading to the ending of suffering. So where you come up from the body is not important. <laughs> Understanding the suttas is important. Yeah. Pante, um, you always stress on the sutta. So is it okay if we bypass the abhidhammas? Yes. The abhidhammas? Yes. Abhidhamma is not really practical. You find a lot of things in the suttas uh, tells you how to practice. Abhidhamma is just like book knowledge. You read it and then you think you understand. You don't really understand. You cannot let go. You can, you can let go by practicing. The amount I taught you, the, the noble truth, eightfold path, that means the leaves in this hand. But if you practice this well, what this one you understand well, you practice well, this is enough for your liberation without having to understand world system or rebirth and whatnot. That's what I understand from that story. So I think that part is important. What you know here, practice it well, then that is enough for your liberation. Any other thing? All understood, huh? Okay, come. Can end here, huh?